Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Ralph Graves Jr. Show. I'm your host, Ralph Graves Jr., and I'm so glad you're here. No matter where you are right now or what circumstances you face, lasting success is within your reach. On this podcast, we'll have real conversations with people who have had to overcome unthinkable obstacles to achieve success. Are you ready to live with unstoppable momentum and focus? Well, today's your day. Let's dive in. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Unstoppable Podcast with Ralph Graves Jr. My name is Ralph Graves. So glad to have you here. If you're watching on YouTube Live, that's great. If you're on any podcast platform, so glad to have you here. Now, I want to jump right into it. Today's guest is Elizabeth Kristoff. Now, she is the founder at Brain Based wellness. We're going to talk about brain wellness. She's an applied neurologist. We're going to talk about, you guys know how I feel about the brain and and, and welcome to the show, Elizabeth. Enough Thank you. Welcome. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here and dive into all of this with you. I'm, I guess you could tell my excitement of having you on the show. You know, I, I believe that, that everything um, that we go through, um, how we come out on the other side, has everything to do with our thinking. Yeah, it does. You know, has everything with our thinking. So let's talk about let's talk about brain-based wellness. So tell my audience what you do. Yeah. So brain-based wellness is a virtual platform we launched at the beginning of quarantine, actually, last year in March. And it's basically a training system that puts your brain and your nervous system at the center of everything. So whether that's your athletic performance or mindset coaching or behavior change or stress resolution, what I'm really doing is training your nervous system to heal deficits in the nervous system, to make you more resilient and to make that change possible. Because what a lot of people may not know is that we all have this very intelligent, well-designed system inside of us, our nervous system. And it guides a lot of our behavior and it guides a lot of our experience of life. If we're experiencing pain, if we have strength, if we can be connected with people and it's an organized system and it's trainable. So it's changing all the time and you can train it just like you would train your muscles in the gym. But very few of us are taught about this system and how it works. And so when you intentionally train it, not only can you perform better as an athlete or resolve a lot of long-term pain, but you can create change in your behavior, in your relationships, and just your way of being in the world by training your nervous system. And this is authentic change and training by way of training the neurosystem. This is not hypnosis. No, no, this is actually, (laughs) I like, I mean, hypnosis is fine too, but I like for people to think of this sort of like you would train your muscles at the gym. These are practical tools that you use on a regular basis to start to heal deficits in your nervous system. So what I focus on training is really the different input systems that your brain uses to make predictions and it makes those predictions and it produces an output with your survival in mind. So our, our brains are really wired for one primary purpose, which is to keep us alive. And and they're always making the decision safe or unsafe and then producing an output based on that decision. And I'm talking about like the older brain, the, the survival brain. 
Sure. And so sure. it makes that decision by gathering in a bunch of different sensory information from your eyes, from the balance system inside of your inner ear, from the body mapping system inside of your joints, from information coming from your organs. And it puts all of that information together and it uses that information to create a picture of you and the world around you and decides what's going on. And then it produces an output. Wow. So if I can train those input systems, so I train people's eyes, their visual system, I train their vestibular system, which is the balance system in their inner ear and their body mapping system and their different sensory systems. We can train those systems to give your brain better input. Then that's less stress and threat that your nervous system is under on a second by second basis. When your nervous system is under less threat, Mm -hmm. it gives you performance outcomes outputs rather than protective outputs. So instead of creating pain or weakness or fatigue or even migraine, all things intended to to keep you safe, to keep your world smaller, it'll move you out of those protective modes into performance mode where you can have more strength, more range of motion. You can be in your higher order thinking systems. You have less emotional reactivity, all because your nervous system has better quality information coming in. I am so excited. I mean, I am going, I'm, I was silent listening to you because I'm going, I have so many questions, but yes, I, I, good. I, I love I, questions. <laughs> I, I think that where we need to start, we need to let people know, first of all, how important the nervous system is, because that, and I, I want to go into things, how we can damage it. And then of course, I definitely want to close on how we strengthen it and how we train it. So let's start at square one. Explain to us how important our nervous system is in day-to-day life. Yeah. So I think many of us live with a pretty disconnected idea of like, here's my brain, my thoughts, and then here's my body and here's my nervous system. Maybe I don't even know anything about that. And that they're all operating separately and don't have a lot of impact on one another. But the truth is it's a very integrated system. And so just to give a really practical example, we talk about people changing their posture a lot, right? We talk about how important posture is, right? right? You see me slouching. That's why you said that. Let me sit up straight. No, no, you look great. But we talk a lot about, you know, posture affects your respiration or how you carry yourself in the world affects how other people see you. And if you want to project yourself as a leader or whatever. And then we come at that often from a very biomechanical cognitive standpoint, right? If you want better posture than just sit up straight a few times a day or strengthen your back extensors. But there's so much more to our posture than that. And that is really controlled at the subconscious level by your nervous system. So one of the things that really impacts our posture is our visual system. So if I am sitting here and I'm in front of a computer, which is about 13 inches away from my face all day long, then my eyes are in a kind of constant state of what we call convergence, which means they're coming in toward one another, toward my nose, like you're crossing your eyes. And that really stimulates two of your cranial nerves, cranial nerve three and four, which also gives an area of your brain called your mesencephalon or your midbrain a lot of activation. Well, what that part of your brain does is contract and strengthen all of your flexor muscles. So if that part of your brain is getting all that activation all day long, because your eyes are in this convergence position, then it's going to flex your spine forward. It's going to draw your head forward into that anterior carriage of the head, that kind of tech neck that we see so much, and it's going to make your hip flexors really tight. So you can 
try to strengthen your back extensors or stretch out your hip flexors. But if you're still going back to keeping your eyes in that position all the time and overstimulating those cranial nerves in that way and not training your visual system, it's going to be really difficult to change your posture. But, but Elizabeth, how do we not get tech neck when all we carry around is that stinking phone? Yeah. So I mean, we're always looking at it, waiting room, wherever we are. How do we it's, combat that? Yeah, it is. It's part of it has to be some behavior change, but it's also important to understand that some of it can just be really practical application of making a little bit of time to train your visual system so that other cranial nerves are getting stimulus. So just a couple really easy exercises that people can do is go for a walk outside, just a short walk, and try to see how much you can see in the periphery of your vision and start to try to train your peripheral vision, which will give immediate change to your nervous system. So change at the level of the nervous system is instantaneous. It's lightning quick. And just see if instantaneously you maybe have greater range of motion through your hip flexors, or you have less strain in your neck if you do that. So assess before you do it, go try the exercise and then reassess and notice if right away you have a change in the amount of tension in your neck or your hip flexors. You could also just go outside and try a couple times a day to focus on something that's really far away in the distance. And that again is just giving different new stimulus to your visual wow. system. Wow. It's just really important to start making a little bit of time to train these systems. And that's what we spend so, a lot of time at brain-based wellness doing is understanding like what are the deficits in your unique nervous system? Mm -hmm. How do we learn how to reassess and assess what's working for your nervous system? And then how do you come up with a training program to heal those deficits so that your, your brain and your nervous system function better at the subconscious level every second of the day? Let's go back to, you said a, a mouthful there that you really just told me, stop walking on the treadmill and looking at the phone while you're walking on the treadmill and go outside Definitely. and walk. Please stop doing that. Go outside <laughs> and walk. I mean, that's that's what I heard, which is phenomenal for a, a, a fitness junkie like myself. Like, oh, I'll walk on the treadmill today. No, go outside and walk the four miles. Stop yeah. looking at the phone. There's but, a lot of things. Yeah, that I yeah. can say about why you should walk outside and not on a treadmill. So that's one of them. <laughs> Let me just give you a couple more reasons why, because I do think okay. this is really important. One is that okay. being out in nature is shown to help us regulate our nervous system and move us out of a uh, sympathetic nervous system response out of fight and flight into our parasympathetic system. Like being in nature is just really beneficial for a lot of people. And then thirdly, there's an issue that happens when we run on a treadmill or on stationary exercise equipment called sensory mismatch. Okay. And that's when two of your different input systems are giving different signals to your brain. So you, the mechanoreceptors inside of your joints, the, the little receptors that tell your brain when you're moving and where your body is in space, they're sending a signal to your brain like, hey, we're moving, we're running, we're moving forward but your eyes are looking around and it doesn't look like you're running and moving forward to your eyes because you're standing in the same place. So your eyes are sending a different signal to your brain that says, no, we're not actually running. We're staying in the same place. And then your vestibular system, the balance system in your inner ear that orients you with the horizon is like, it kind of feels like we're running because we're moving up and down, but we're not moving forward and back. So that's sending another signal. 
now your brain is getting all this conflicting information mm -hmm. and it relies on that information to produce an output to keep you alive. And so when it suddenly has to start to decide which of the information is correct, which of the information it should use to make that decision, that becomes very energy costly for your brain. Making a decision is hard for your brain. So when it's getting all these mixed signals, it gets confused and it gets tired and it starts to move into protective outputs because it's not sure what's going on. So it's going to start to create more pain. It's yeah. going to start to reduce your strength. It's going to start to make your muscles both weaker and tighter because it's, it's trying to keep you from taking a big action. It's trying wow. to keep you from wow. bringing in more stimulus. So there's actually studies that show they test someone's max strength, like with a deadlift or a squat, then they put them on a treadmill for just like five minutes, take them off and their strength diminishes by about 20% because their brain is experiencing that sensory mismatch. Wow. And again, you've educated me beyond what I thought this, this, this was going to be. So that explains that when I would go to the gym and, and caught myself warming up on the treadmill first, then when I went to go do my power movements, I was weaker than what I when I would have done it prior. Wow. Very likely. Very likely. And let me and let me say this to you too. Is this why? Let me ask you this question. Is this why now I see all of these bicycles, these stationary bikes now have the the views and scenery as yeah. if when you're powering the bike, it's as if you're going around the mountain. It doesn't move unless you're pedaling. Yes, you. I think that helps with it. It helps with it. And of course, I would still argue that like the best bet is to just Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. But yeah. um I do think that that it, it's made to help with it and I think you know, just always assess and reassess. So okay. our nervous system changes lightning quick and so yeah. you can always assess and reassess not only the neuro drills that you're giving your nervous system, but also your exercises. Am I getting stronger or weaker after I do this? Do I feel better or do I feel worse? Test a range of motion and see if you have more or less range of motion after you hop on that treadmill for five minutes. And then you can start to evaluate for yourself. Am I moving my nervous system in a positive or a negative direction? Okay. Now let's, let's go back and, and um, I, I, you know, the nervous system, I don't think people know how important it is. I don't think they know that it really controls, like you said, all kinds of health and wellness and stiffness and pain yeah. and my immune system. Yes, absolutely. So for me, I started doing applied neurology in, in 2014 and I started really primarily using it for pain reduction and my clients and athletic performance. Okay. Um, I owned a, a movement and Pilates studio here in Austin for many years and I would use it for that. And then it really wasn't until I went through a series of pretty catastrophic events in my own life where my own nervous system became very okay. dysregulated okay. because I was under so much stress all the time. I lost my business. Um, my fiance at the time was diagnosed with cancer and I went into caretaking for him. And there was just a lot going on, very little sleep. And I started to experience, um, times where I would just almost black out, extreme fatigue. My yeah. binge eating got really bad as a stress response. I was in a lot of chronic pain. And 
I started to notice in myself all the signals that I would see in my clients that were dealing with pain when their body was moving into too much threat. And that started to precede a lot of my, my own nervous system responses. And I began to really understand oh my God, I am living in a state of nervous system dysregulation. And that is what is, is causing all of this. And I began to understand that our brains at the old brain level and our bodies are very intelligent. They have this ancient wisdom that understands that too much stress for too long is, is dangerous and it causes disease. And so your brain and your body will instinctively try to shut you down Wow. when your stress level has remained too high for too long. And that's when you get these compulsive behaviors that you feel like you can't drive yourself out of, or you get migraines, or you get just the periods of depression where you have to lay down and block out all the stimulus and pull the covers over your head. It's your nervous system has just been too dysregulated for too long, undergoing too much stress. And it's really trying to protect you. It's trying to keep you alive. It's not trying to harm you. But sometimes that conflicts with our cognitive brain's long-term goals for us. And then we try to medicate it. And then we yes. get all the side effects from the medication. From the medication. Of trying to medicate a nervous system that's trying to protect us. That's right. Skin rashes, stomach ulcers, migraines. Yeah. And wow. sometimes more damage to the nervous system, right? Like a yeah. lot of medications damage the vestibular system, which again is that that's the system of ear canals that orient your body with the horizon. And they basically keep you upright. They let your body know what position it's in and sets all of your postural muscle tone to keep you upright against gravity. Well, if that system gets damaged, a lot of medications damage that system. And now right. that's more stress going on to your nervous system and then making you worse. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm a firm believer in the awesomeness of the human body and how God created us to heal itself, Agreed. to take care of itself. Your body doesn't want to be sick. I'm a firm believer that my body doesn't Thank even want to catch a cold. I, <laughs> I'm a, so how am I helping? And, and I, I never really thought of it from applied neuroscience, how to really help my nervous system this way. Now, I never really, I never really thought that I had to help my body this way. I'm, I take all these vitamins and I'm on this chemical free vitamin kick now and all this kind of stuff, but I never thought about it helping, helping it, it, it this way. I mean, it, it's amazing what we're talking about today. Yeah, I think and, you're yeah. really right. Our our body does want to heal and it wants us to stay alive and stay safe. And so it starts to give us little signals right. like maybe knee pain or um a little bit of low back pain or maybe a bit of dizziness when we're starting to be under knee too pain, much stress. Knee pain. Did you call my doctor the other day? How'd you know <laughs> I got a cortisone shot in my knee? Did you call somebody? Which, I must have read your mind. Which I got injured from walking on the treadmill at an incline. He told me to stop all that. He told me to get off of that. Yeah. 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 Well, so pain <laughs> is not an an input to the brain, pain is an output. And so what I mean yes. by that is that our brain is always gathering all of that sensory information. And some of it is from pain receptors called, they're really 
threat receptors, stress receptors called nociceptors. So you touch something hot, the nociceptors send that signal to your brain, but they're not necessarily transmitting pain. They're just telling your brain what's going on. And then your brain takes in all of that information and interprets it. And then it produces an output and that output might be pain, but there's a lot of studies that show people will go in fMRIs and they do have structural deficits or abnormalities like, you know, something in their spine or tissue damage in their knee, but they don't experience pain. And what the difference is, is how much other threat their nervous system is under. So sometimes knee pain could be an acute indicator of like, there's an issue going on here, but a lot of times it's just your pain. It's just your brain's way of signaling to you hey, you're under too much threat. So maybe the the treadmill was stressing your brain out because of sensory mismatch. Or for me, when I was going under that time of extreme stress, I also experienced a ton of pain in my left knee and it got really, it would just radiate nerve pain up, but it didn't have anything to do with my knee. That was just the most efficient place for my brain to create a signal, to try to get me to slow down, to work out less, to do less, because it was worried about the amount of stimulus that was coming in, the amount of stress that I was under. And what I did, because I trained (laughs) as an athlete, a lot of my life was I just kept pushing through the pain, right? Because if it doesn't hurt, we go, if it, if it's a pain threshold we can take, what do we do? We're going to push through. That's right. We're, we're That's ignoring right. what our nervous system is trying it's to say. trying to subtly tell us. And in, the body will speak quietly at first, but if you yeah. don't listen, it will speak louder. And so if we can train ourselves to start to listen to those first signals and maybe, maybe even be with the pain, like go internally and ask your body, like, what do you need from me right now? How do you want me to be with you? What's happening in my life that I... Yeah need to make a change to, to reduce this threat level. And maybe it's my sleep, or maybe it's training my visual system, or maybe it's a a job that's too much all the time. And so then we can look at that and start to respond to those signals, or maybe just do something simple to regulate your nervous system that it likes when you start to experience those more subtle signals so that you don't get pushed into the more severe signals or into that state of long-term nervous system dysregulation, which then causes disease in the body, causes inflammation and can lead to autoimmune cancer, all kinds of things. Yeah. We blame everything on, and I, I, Listen, diet does play a big part of it. We blame, we blame everything on, on diet, everything. And it does play a big part. We totally disregard what we're talking about today. Like yeah. I've, I've never dove into this, like I'm diving into it now. And I thank you for opening thank my you eyes for to talking it. with me about it because I, I really need to pay attention. Like, you know, a uh, gym rat, you know, I, I, I told you my, my history and is do I really need to run to the ortho every time something hurts or do I really need to take a beat and listen to that body of mine? All right. So we talked about, we talked about, we talked about the nervous system, the importance of it. How does one begin to really train themselves? Like, like where can we start? Cause I, I, when we get, before we get off, I want everybody to run to you and everybody to call you, everybody to jump on your website, but, but where, can somebody just like, wow, how can I start today listening or sending the right, how can I start training this nervous system of mine today 
while, before I get in contact with Elizabeth? How, how, how yeah. do I do that? So what I tell people is I think starting with too much too soon is overwhelming, right? And that's not how real behavior change occurs. So start with like the minimum effective dose of what you're going to actually make possible for your life so that you don't get pushed into more stress because again, stress is what we're trying to uh, avoid here. So if you can just start a couple minutes a day, so I have people start one very simple focus on your respiration. So breathe in for four, pause for four, breathe out for four, pause for four, one minute a day. And if that doesn't feel good to you, then try a different type of respiration training. Maybe breathe in for three, pause, breathe out for six and try different types. The most important thing is that we're just cognitively focusing on our breath and trying to slow it down and regulate it. Can I, can I jump in right there? Yeah. This is about the third or fourth thing I've heard on the importance of breathing correctly. Yeah, yeah. it's really important. And, and, and most of us don't breathe correct. I heard a whole podcast on this breathing specialist. Yeah, I mean, if you crazy. think about it, we take about 20,000 breaths per day. And so if every single one of those is a little bit threatening to our nervous system because it's not efficient or it's messing up the, like, oxygen levels in your blood because you're hyperventilating and you're taking too many breaths per minute. And, mm-hmm. and it also is what signals to our brain a lot of times if there's a threat. So if we, if our respiration starts to <laughs> increase too much, we start to move into our sympathetic nervous system response into our fight or flight response. Yeah. And then you get stuck in that response and then you're pumping out all this adrenaline and cortisol, which then wow. leads to nerve damage and leads yeah. to inflammation. So yeah. Breathing is important for so many reasons, and it can also just help kind of ground you and anchor you and make you more present. So one minute a day focusing on your breath and then one minute a day dropping from your head down into your body and just begin to see if you can feel as many sensations as you can inside of your body. So our entire body is sensory and it's always sending signals back up to our brain. And one of our most important cranial nerves, our vagus nerve, cranial nerve 10, is what's responsible for sending that information from your organs up to your brain. And our vagus nerves also what controls our parasympathetic system. So it's what takes us out of fight and flight and into calm and respond and to rest and digest. So if we can actually train our vagus nerve, give it a little bit of stimulus by just trying to improve our brain's awareness and and reading of those sensory signals, that can do a lot to improve the health of your parasympathetic system. All right. So we train our vagus part of the brain by doing what you said, drop my head. Just trying to feel as many signals as you can coming in from your brain. So like, just close your eyes, drop down into your body. Can I feel what it feels like in my belly? Can I feel my own heart beating? Can I feel my rib cage expanding and contracting with my breath? Can I feel the blood running through my veins? Like what can I feel inside of myself? And that you do have to be careful if you're someone who's really hypersensitive to a lot of stuff. We want to really work on interceptive accuracy rather than just awareness, like interpreting okay. the right amount of threat to those okay. signals. Okay. But let's just keep it simple for today and say that a good place is just to start to be able to feel and and become aware of the sensory parts of your body and and 
feel what it feels like in your body. And if there's someone who doesn't feel safe in their body because of trauma or because of past experiences, you don't have to make it for very long. And I would encourage you to keep trying to ask yourself, where do I feel an internal sense of safety? Can I feel that inside of me is this like inner resource that is pumping my blood just fine. That's making my respiration work just fine and keep it really short and manageable. And one of the most important steps in healing is to start to feel safe in our bodies again. You you see me chuckling because I've never, I'm chuckling out of amazement. (laughs) Like I'm sitting here and, um, you know, you don't know you're doing it, but I'm chastising myself no, don't do that. When, when That's it, not when what it, I want. When it comes to, you know, I, I got shoulder pain, but I'm still going to the gym because I can handle it. I can work around it. And I may be defeating what my body's trying to do all because of vanity. You know, it's just stuff we don't yeah. think about. We don't yeah. think about. It's, you know, if possible, it's it's a wonderful mindset that you have starting to question it and look at it. And I do think that, our pain and our dysregulated behavior, whatever it is that we're trying to change, whether that's like emotional reactivity or binge eating or shutdown, it can be a real catalyst to a deeper level of healing and awakening for us. So if you can follow that pain to where you need to heal yourself, and then it can really bring us to that next level of expansion and healing on a, on a much deeper level than we, than we would have ever been able to access had we not experienced the pain or the behavior. Yeah. And, and that, and again, I'm a firm believer that our body is trying to heal us. Now what I heard too, and this is the unstoppable podcast. And, and I, and I, and I thank you for your story. And I know that my listeners heard this part of it that change became in your life or you began to change and realize you needed change as you were going through a struggle. You said to your Mm -hmm. fiance, you became a a caregiver um, due Mm -hmm. to a a cancer and, uh, but you just found yourself out of sorts. Now you didn't stay there. Part of being unstoppable and part of the unstoppable mindset is saying, wait a minute, what's going on? I shouldn't be here. This is not going to defeat me. This is not going to take me out. Explain to us that moment where Elizabeth, we we like to say in the Bible, you came to yourself and you looked at yourself in the mirror and say, that's it. No, something has to change. How'd that happen for you? Well, it wasn't one moment necessarily, but it was like a series of, of gradual awakenings. Like just, I started to see myself with a lot of curiosity and I started to just hear the lessons that I had learned in applied neurology kind of echoing around in my mind. Like this idea that we all do the best that we can at the level of our nervous system is. Can you repeat that? that? Can you repeat that? You are, (laughs) we all do the best we can at the level of our nervous system. Yeah, we really wow. do. Wow. And and I, I, I saw myself through that lens. And as I was going through this really intense time, a lot of the emotions and experiences that I, I had during that time brought up a lot of unresolved childhood trauma for me. It, it, was, it triggered something that brought a bunch of stuff I'd never dealt with, never healed to the surface. And I began to see how like binge eating was something that I'd struggled with my whole life, stress eating, binge eating uh, to various 
degrees, right? Sometimes it wasn't so bad. Sometimes it was really painful. During this time, it was really painful. And I began to realize that my entire life, that was how my nervous system learned to regulate me because it would literally, I was stuck in this state of hypervigilance mm -hmm. of fight and flight from my trauma. And when I would eat a bunch, not only would I get that emotional release, but it would literally change me over to rest and digest. And so I would move out of my fight and flight system into my parasympathetic system and that would calm me down. Can I ask you a question? I, yeah. I mean, just, just a clinical question. Is this where we get our addictions to alcohol maybe from? Maybe alcohol? I, I do have some beliefs about that. Yes. I, I mean, do. this is not, I but I mean, j j if we're talking about eating, putting us in that position, what about alcohol? What about, what about, uh, you know, getting high? I, I, I got to get high. I, I yeah. got to chew on these edibles because it calms me down. So but it, as, as soon as I come out, I'm right back where I was. Yeah. Uh, most of our behaviors are brain's best way of getting the stimulus and input that it needs and our nervous system's best way of protecting us and keeping us alive. Okay. Because what I saw, and I'll, I'll talk about the alcohol in just a second. What I yeah. saw for myself was that there were other people who had gone through some of the extreme trauma that I went through in my childhood and they did not have food as a means of self-regulation. Okay. And they ended up getting really sick. They ended up, my fiance was one of them. His cancer came from having a long history of PTSD and a dysregulated nervous system and a lot of inflammation in his body for a long time. Wow. And, and also they ended up, you know, having really severe breakdowns. And whereas I was able to be a pretty high functioning person in society, even though I had all of this trauma, because I had food as a tool to bring me out of my threat response, to bring me okay. out of my fight and gotcha. flight. So okay. I began to see, oh my God, this saved my life. Like this behavior that I was so hard on myself about was really just my body's best way of keeping me alive and helping me function in the world. And now what I have to do in order to, because it also became damaging, right? It became, yes. you know, then there's pain that comes with that and shame and, and a life that I didn't want to lead. So I had to look at how to change my life to not be under so much stress and to learn new tools for self-regulation to give okay. my brain and the nervous system, the stimulation that they wanted. So they didn't have to rely on that old pattern. Okay. When it comes to alcohol, I think it's, it's very much the same thing. And if you look at one of the main systems that is linked to a lot of these issues is your interceptive system. So again, that's okay. that system that tells your brain information from your organs, from your viscera about what's going on. And chronic stress damages that system because it leads us into a lot of adrenaline and cortisol being pumped out all the time. And then that brings our blood glucose level up and too much glucose in the blood for too long damages the nerves and it damages the veins. And so our vagus nerve starts to get damaged. And that's that nerve that relays yeah. all those signals to your brain. So then the part of the brain that processes that information, your insular cortex does not get a lot of stimulation because the vagus nerve isn't functioning as well. Wow. So now your insular cortex really wants more activation. Every neuron in your body wants to stay alive and it stays alive through fuel and activation. Okay. And so every area of your brain wants activation fuel and activation in order to stay alive and to stay healthy. Okay. So what's a great way to provide your 
your interceptive system a large amount of stimulus by stimulating your celiac plexus is by drinking alcohol. And so your insular cortex is going to get this huge boost of stimulus that it is looking for when you, when you drink or when you eat a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And just like taking medication after a while, it poisons you. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And in the moment, your nervous system and your brain is doing it because right then in that moment, it needs to regulate you. And that's the best way that it's found how to protect you. But it doesn't, it's not able, our old brain isn't able to compute our long-term goals or our higher level thinking. It is reacting in that moment to regulate you and to keep you alive. So we have to learn other tools for regulation in order to move out of those behaviors. All right. So you gave us two tools, I believe, right? You gave us breathing. You gave me to uh, activate, taught me how to activate that vagus. What's it called? A vagus nerve? Vagus nerve. Yeah. Give me one more before we go. Okay. Um, One more really easy tool is to do a little bit of training for your visual system because your visual system is at the top of the neural hierarchy. That means your brain thinks the information from your eyes is really important to make those important predictions. And so again, since we're looking at computer screens a lot, we're doing a lot of close range vision. So one really easy thing is, is to go focus more a couple times a day on something far away or also just to give your eyes a little bit of stimulus to the muscles and the cranial nerves that activate them just by holding your head still, make sure your head doesn't move and take your thumb and track a big circle with your eyes and just try to stay really on the target, do one or two circles in each direction so that you're working all the six muscles so around like, your that eyes. Looks like, that looks like this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. And just make sure your head stays still. And then again, it's always important to assess and reassess. So you could use a range of motion assessment. You could even try just like turning your head side to side, see how much tension you have in your neck, um, see how far you can see out of the corner of your eye, and then do a couple eye circles and then retest and see if you have more or less tension in your neck. And if you have less tension in your neck, then that means that it's something that your nervous system is responding positively to, and you should do it regularly. If you get more tension, that means that for whatever reason, it's a little bit threatening to your nervous system. So then what you'd want to do is just decrease the intensity, make the circle smaller, do it more slowly, sit down, just like you would decrease the intensity of an exercise. If it was too much, you can calibrate your neurodrill to make it the right amount of stimulus for your brain. Let me tell you, this has been... I think I have neural system overload right now. (laughs) I might have overloaded you. I might have overloaded you. This has been phenomenal. Where can my listeners, how can they find you? How can they connect with you? I I, I hope that this is not the last time you'll come on the Unstoppable program. I would love to come on many more times. Okay. Um, Because we we need to get this. I am am anti- well, I'm, I'm anti-medication. I believe medication for a little while, but I believe, again, my body wants to heal me. And so mm-hmm. we need to go deeper in this. I, I, You're on LinkedIn. You're there. I'm right. on LinkedIn. Where else the can best you find place me? to find me is on my website, brainbased-wellness.com. Okay. And if you go there, you can sign up for a free applied neurology course that I have that will teach you how to assess and reassess neuro drills. It'll teach you four or five of my drills that most of my clients respond positively to. And it'll teach you about that morning practice and that meditation of dropping into your body. So I'm you want to sign up today. 
Yes, please do come sign up. Give them and that website again. Tell me yeah, one more time. Brainbased-wellness.com. Brain-based. And I'll send it to you if you want to throw that in the show notes too. And people can come yeah. on over and just check it out. Gotcha. And you can also yes. just reach out to me from there with any questions. All my okay. social links are there. So, okay. Yeah. And all that'll be, listen, guys, all of that'll be in the show notes. It'll be in the link, but please for your own nervous system's sake, for your own immunity. We know immune system and immunity is big right now. It's never going away. Right. For all for listen, find Elizabeth Kristoff. All right. Find her. All yes. right. Come Click find me. I want find to her. help you. I believe healing is possible. I believe we're all poss- like capable of healing. We yeah. just need the right tools. And yeah. Yeah. that's what I want to teach people. She's not hiding. She is out here. I that's found right. her. You can find her. <laughs> I right. found her. Elizabeth, thank you for being on the Unstoppable program. You've been an awesome guest. Thank you for thank educating you so us much the way for you have. Me. And um, I, like I said, you, you, you've you got to come back. You, you, you've got to come back. I would really, really love to. Guys, you have been listening to Unstoppable with Ralph Graves Jr. Listen, share this podcast with someone. If you haven't already, go to my website, ralphgravesjr.com. Now, when you get there, I want you to hit backslash community and join the Unstoppable community. Um, there, there, you, you'll, you'll find videos. You'll find weekly lessons that we'll go through together and talk about on personal growth and really how to reach our full potential and grow into the people that God intended us to be. Or you can hit ralphgravesjr.com backslash apply and apply for the Gulfstream way. That's a 90 day training program that will take you to places that um, you've never been before when it comes to personal growth and leadership. So thanks for being on the program, guys. Um, Share it with somebody. I'll see you again next week. Let's be unstoppable together.